Hi, and welcome to the Authentic Audience Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Ritma. This is a marketing podcast like you haven't heard before. It's about real connections and honest conversations. Why am I here? To remind you that you can fly. If you're brave enough to listen to that calling inside you, I'm here to serve you and show you that marketing can and should be honest, that the truth sells and authenticity wins. So how can businesses and brands build a real and authentic audience? The Authentic Audience Podcast gives you insight into growing your business and marketing strategies to gain real followers and loyal customers. Each week, I create a space of radical honesty for thought leaders and entrepreneurs who have built successful businesses to share their insights on business, marketing, relationships, life, and spirituality. Each episode is sure to remind you the power of storytelling and truth selling. Get ready to get real, get raw, get honest, and keep growing. Caitlin Costley is the co-founder, executive director, and licensed midwife at Vashon Island Midwifery, a nonprofit reproductive and family healthcare collective on Vashon Island in Washington State. As a perinatal healthcare provider, Caitlin feels it is her sacred responsibility to safeguard a container for birthing people to feel empowered in their pregnancy and childbirth experiences. Additionally, she is passionate about reproductive justice, comprehensive sexual education, and holistic medicine for the mind and physical body. Obviously, you guys know why she's here after listening to that, and this has been a long time coming. I'm obsessed with Caitlin and you guys are about to be in for a treat. Welcome. Thanks, Krista. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy you're here. Um, how are you? Where are you? What's happening in your world? Yeah, I'm doing well. Um, my world is, you know, is a little bit contained on this small island that I live in right now um, between my work as a midwife in our community um, but then also as a mother I have my three little ones at home so just constantly tending to their fire and our family fire as well. Mm, I'm so happy to dive in with you just to share with my listeners a little bit. Um, Caitlin and I met a few years ago and I got to help with the launch of the Vashon Island midwifery site. And as horrible as it is to say now, I knew so, I knew very little about midwifery and Caitlin was really like my introduction because I was like writing website copy and like answering like FAQs, um, as I, and I was learning like right alongside the build and the power of midwifery and just what it's all about, um, was very new to me. And so I wanted Caitlin to come on now that I've announced my pregnancy and we're talking about it because I may recently made the decision. I mean, my dream would be to like fly to Vashon and like have <laughs> Caitlin like hold me <laughs> while I'm giving birth. But the second best thing is I'm working with a doula here and I've made the decision to go with a midwife um, for my birth. And I'm just feeling so excited and empowered by this decision and mm -hmm. want to share more with you about that through this episode and just share this value that is Caitlin, because she's just a wealth of knowledge about so many things. So if we could just start by you sharing a little bit about your journey, you have such a cool story and just how you got to where you are and anything that just feels important to share to kind of set the stage for our combo. Yeah, absolutely. Um, gosh, I mean, where did it all begin? I, I mean, I could really jump all the way back and say, I was born into the hands of midwives. Mm. I had my cousin sitting right there and there's this video of the midwife holding me in her hands, looking at me, but speaking to my cousin, like right on the, her peripheral and saying, she's going to be a midwife one day, you know, like that's on ah. video. So, <laughs> so I could start all the way there, but um, I wasn't really aware that this is where my life was headed until until, um, yeah, until I became pregnant myself with my oldest child and um, began sort of that initiation into motherhood and what it meant to give birth in a modern world. And, um, 
yeah, everything, everything about my life just was put into perspective and uh, looked through with a different lens because you do, you kind of take off this, like, you know, these sunglasses in a way, and you can see the world in a completely different way. And that was my experience in pregnancy. Um, and a lot of questions were popping up about what I, where I thought my life was going in that chapter and then where it suddenly was. And I felt this incredible connection to this baby that I was growing, um, that we were growing together. And so that's kind of where it got started. I um, took this incredible childbirth education class. I, you know, when you become pregnant, everyone just has all this information to give you. And a lot of it is really beautiful. And unfortunately, also people feel inclined to share not so beautiful things about pregnancy and birth. <laughs> and I have a lot of questions about that. But um, in terms of, you know, all the positive feedback and just like, asking questions and new things came into my life um, that I didn't know were even part of our world. And you kind of have touched on that as well through your story. Um, but I, yeah, I had a beautiful childbirth experience um, mm. with a DO OBGYN. And um, I think my favorite part about him was he was just so incredibly passive. <laughs> <laughs> and that totally bothered my partner. Right. Um, but for me, I was like, this gets to feel like my experience. Right. I have space and I get to take it all up. This is about me and my baby. And that is what I got to experience through that. And I didn't know that that was rare. I didn't know that that was, um, but the possibility of not taking up that space wasn't you know, would be hard um, and came to learn that after the fact, you know, through my childbirth education experience, I felt uh, really called to advocate for myself and um, I learned so much and I was in this community of people who were going through pregnancy and birth at the same time I was. And after um, afterwards, we would get together and we would share our experiences and I just realized, oh my gosh, like the experience I had of feeling empowered and feeling um, safe, not just physically, but emotionally and to birth with dignity, which I think is like just so much of what I am called to protect anymore um, is, you know, was not the experience of so many people. Right. And I, I had, I couldn't believe I couldn't believe that my experience was so rare and I didn't understand why. And I also didn't understand um, what the issue was. And so that kind of my initiation into motherhood into having my child um, at the same time as I was learning how to mother, I was also learning and following this passion of mine that was something is broken systematically and I, I need to know why, because this is not okay. Um, and I found, I found midwifery through that. Uh, and that was almost a decade now, which is unbelievable to imagine. And since I um, have gone on to get, you know, go through all of my midwifery training and education and, um, and also have a set of midwifery twins, which were unexpected and yeah. <laughs> beautiful surprise, but wow. uh, yeah, I call it my, my integration year, <laughs> the middle of midwifery school, uh, taking a pause to be pregnant again and to, um, yeah, practice all the things that I learned. And I mean, how beautiful to be able to integrate that like in real time with twins. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, and I'll just, you know, I know that you can, you can feel this experience. I'm sure your listeners as well, but like everything happens on purpose. Right. And like, I'm just, it was incredibly difficult <laughs> in so many ways to have the experience. Um, and also like so on purpose. And I have so many feelings about that now where I'm just like, of course that was what had to happen. Um, but just like as a logistical validation of that was what I was exactly supposed to experience. My midwifery license came through from the department of health on their birthday. 
like years later, right? So anyway, it it was, it's just been a really beautiful and synchronistic path. Um, yeah. How many births have you attended? Well, in the state of Washington, you have to attend 100 births to be licensed as a midwife. And uh, there were a couple factors that made my path to licensure a little bit slower and family, this pandemic, all of yeah. the things in the last few years. So um, I have attended approximately 120 births. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, I can't, I actually can't imagine. I've never been to a birth. So yeah. I can't imagine that and what that must be like, but I just feel so grateful. I, I feel after learning about midwives and the business of midwifery that you're like truly angels. <laughs> and I want everyone to know you exist because wherever you're listening, if motherhood is, you know, calling or a part of your journey, you can find a midwife. Like they're everywhere. Once you learn about them, especially in Santa Cruz. And I'm so excited to dive into this more with you and ask you some deeper questions, but here it's such a hybrid actually. And the midwives and the doulas work with the hospitals. And so I'm giving birth at like a birthing center with my doula and midwife, but there's like an OR down the hall. And if something like were to go wrong, they can like call in a doctor and OB to consult without ever having to like leave my care. Like they can just handle it. And so anyway, there's so many reasons why I'm choosing this route, but needless to say, I feel like now that I'm learning about it, it, it actually is accessible. And there are so many people like you doing this work. And for whatever reason, I'm learning so much being pregnant. And I want to go back to what you said about the system being broken, because my first experience being pregnant with my miscarriage was just that like brutal. The thing that was most traumatizing was how I was treated. Mm -hmm. And I am like privileged with insurance can afford the best healthcare. And it was still like horrendous. Right. And then even just going to the ER and not having any OB or anybody that could deal with like women's issues on staff when like half the people in an ER women. Right. So I could go on and on about this, but the self-advocacy part of the journey and learning to stand up for myself and having people like you as a guide. And there's a couple other people who have taught me like really key things about asking questions and standing up for myself along the way, including my doula, who I'm super grateful for. And I think we forget sometimes in this process that we do have a voice. And I'm really grateful that you mentioned that about your journey, because it's something that sadly, I think doesn't come super naturally, um, especially maybe to a lot of women, um, just standing up for ourselves and asking those kinds of questions. And yeah, so I want you to touch on the self-advocacy piece a little bit and then give us a little bit more info on like what exactly is a midwife. Um, I think a lot of the questions I would assume are what's the difference between a midwife and a doula. And also what I recently learned is the major differences and very few differences between a midwife and an OB. Um, and just sort of drop us into like what exactly a midwife does. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, in terms of self-advocacy, um, you know, I think it's, it was certainly a really important part of my process. Um, yeah. And, and so much of that work really is done prenatally because in labor, we do not, we should not be self-advocating. It is a completely different part of our brain that we have to be in to find our words and advocate, uh, logistically, you know, like rationalize our feelings and our preferences than where we should be. And I don't love the word should, but I'm going to use it here because I feel really strongly about it. Um, right. So, so 
we should be in a different part of our body. That is where birth happens. Birth does not happen on the part of our brain um, that is engaged and fight or flight. Like we're not supposed to be fighting for our choices. Um, so, so a lot of this work happens prenatally. And in terms of midwifery care, right? Like the center of midwifery care, the model of care is a relationship-based model of care. So when you have a relationship with somebody that you develop throughout your prenatal experience, you don't have to advocate for yourself in labor because there's a level of trust there. The education has happened. The conversations have happened already around what do you want? What is your desired outcome from this experience? Mm -hmm. And there's space for that before labor happens. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, that doesn't really happen often enough in our hospital-based systems. And this is not because, and I believe this strongly as well, like this is not because these OBGYNs um, don't care. <laughs> they do. No, yeah. And, and that's the best part is I love my OB. I'm very attached to her. Yeah. And so I actually have an OB right now. Yeah. And she is eight weeks ahead of me. And so she needs to transfer care. And so I said to her, you know, I've been intuitively called to go with the midwives. And she's like, I'm going with our senior midwives. My OB yes. <laughs> is going with the midwives on the team. And it just like, she, she cares, but I, I find that like her training and like, I'll ask her certain questions that like, she's like, you know, my blanket statement has to be no, like there's yeah. just way more, um, I think like at risk too, for them to be like, she said, you know, she was telling me about something that hasn't been researched enough. So as an OB, she's like not legally allowed to give her opinion on it and things like that. And so, but at the end of the day, I adore her and I'm obsessed with her and I'm incredibly attached, but I also think that it's meant to be that yeah. she's passing me off and that she's having her baby and just knowing that she's going with the same midwife I am. I think that says a lot yeah. about the power of midwifery. Absolutely. And for anybody who thinks that like midwifery is for a certain type of person, <laughs> um, watch the documentary, Why Not Home? Because that documentary really challenges um, our preconceived ideas of like who's choosing midwifery care or even out of hospital birth, right? And um, this documentary is a bunch of labor and delivery nurses and OBGYNs who for their own pregnancies are giving birth at home or with midwives, right? Yeah. It's so beautiful to see It's so beautiful. We have to be challenged in these preconceived ideas of like what kind of care is for what kind of person. Um, and so anyway, so the self-advocacy piece, right? Like relationship-based care, mm -hmm. that's a huge part of that. If we cannot have that for whatever reason, and I will say that midwifery care is really accessible in a lot of communities and not in other communities. That's where right? you're coming in. <laughs> right. <laughs> and there's like, there's, there, I mean, there's entire states in the United States where midwifery care is illegal. No. It's crazy to think about, but it is illegal to practice midwifery. Why? Um, I mean, there's so many things that go into politics around the midwifery world. I never knew that I would be like, I, I never wanted to be in politics. You're like a hardcore um, and activist. Then I in, and then I came into midwifery and I was like, damn it. It's like totally a part. It just comes with it because of, I mean, so many layers, right? Like our medical system is political, unfortunately, in the United States. And um, to go further into that, like the United States is in a complete maternal morbidity and mortality crisis. And every year it's getting worse. We're the only developed nation that has the outcomes that we have. And it is not because birthing people are not advocating for themselves. It's because we have a system that isn't focused on birth with dignity and um, is really looking at, you know, again, it's completely a systemic error and issue. It's not like an individual provider issue, even for those providers who are in the system, like totally in it. Um, but we haven't been birthing in the hospital for that long. I'll say that. Like, 
like a couple hundred years. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and like, if that, oh gosh, I should have that statistic on hand, but like, it's, it's actually shocking because it's so much of what we know, right. And well, modern of- medicine I know is only like a hundred years old. So yeah, I mean, it's not that old. No, it's not that old at all. And, um, and yet now, you know, like 1% of the population is birthing at home and that's not a lot. It's only 1% in the United States, different populations, like up here in Washington and Western Washington, we're at like 17%, right? Right. So it's like different communities reflect differently. Um, and I have some, some thoughts about that, but we're, we're up against something that, that is really challenging and political. Um, so the other piece cycling back to self-advocacy is, you know, the relationship based care, which there's not so much opportunity for in our current system. Um, the other solutionary action, if, if that gets missed for some reason is doulas. And this is why I love doulas because like some people, don't understand the difference between a midwife and a doula and I'll elaborate. Um, and other people assume that you don't need a doula if you have a midwife. Right. Also not where I'm at. I love having doulas present at births with me. Um, can I do all the, you know, emotional coaching and support? Absolutely. But like the continuity and having that extra person, um, is so, so important. And the role of the doula, especially in a hospital is like, this person understands, has taken the time to build a relationship with you. They understand um, your preferences. They understand what your desired outcomes are. And you guys have done all this work together to, to be a team and they get to be a voice for you. And, you know, it's again, political, like a doula can't stand there and be like, my client doesn't want that. Right. That's not the role. And the doulas aren't also like against the, the nurses and this, no, like, it's it all yeah. this collaborative and beautiful process. And more and more we're seeing hospitals like understand this and welcome doulas in with open arms. Mm-hmm. Some of our hospitals in our area have paid doulas on their staff. Like it's amazing. Incredible. Right? Yeah. Uh, we need that sort of integration, um, and collaboration and collaboration is so, so big. Um, yeah, I, I definitely want to talk more about that because I feel really so blessed and so grateful. And I had to jump through a lot of hoops and do a lot of things to get the healthcare to be able to give birth where I wanted to give birth. And we did it. And I just feel like it's such a hybrid, this system. And it makes me think of you because you talk about this like collaboration and cooperation between the healthcare system and providers. And even when I told my OB who I was going with as a doula, she was like, oh, I'm so glad to know that you'll be working with her. I've done like dozens of births with her, you know, and it's just so powerful to hear that kind of support for the community. And again, for anybody that doesn't know what a doula is, right. She was just, uh, Caitlin was just explaining, but you can have like a birth guide with you and empowering you and your partner to actually do it yourselves, um, is what my doula really wants is to empower me and empower clay. Um, and we have no idea what we're doing. I mean, in the OB, this is the thing that I've learned the most, and this is just my experience, but as long as my pregnancy and the fetus is healthy, like how sick I am, how anxious I am, like everything else that's going on with me is almost like irrelevant or it's just like not their priority. But I have my doula like checking on me regularly and who's coming to my ceremony, my 120 day celebration ceremony. Like I'm not, I can't invite my OB to that. So it's just like this, when you, for me being my first time, not knowing what I'm doing, like I just, it feels like such an exhale, um, to know that she's also going to be there with me, guiding me through the process, but that's very different than a midwife. Yeah. So, so what is the difference between a doula and a midwife? Because again, they're often thought of interchangeably. Um, 
a doula is not providing any clinical health care. A doula is supporting somebody emotionally. There's a lot of education in terms of the relationship between a midwife and a doula, or sorry, a doula and a client. So it's emotional coaching. It's, you know, in labor, it's like labor positions and support and helping you physically with like comfort measures. Mm -hmm. So there's this beautiful thing about having somebody standing right next to your head, holding your hand, putting a washcloth on your face, like guiding you into a new position when you just can't do that one position anymore, you know, or helping you to understand like, okay, something is going on in the labor pattern that we're seeing and we can influence this with some different position changes. Let's try some different things. Right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes in labor, you get the response of like, I can't move. And it's like, you don't have to do this alone right? Just that, like, there's this support, the sense of support that is completely invaluable, um, that a doula has the ability to step into and does, and it's beautiful. So doulas are doing, are doing that sort of support. Midwifery care is prenatal care. It's routine prenatal care. We are doing the same schedule of prenatal care that you would get with your OBGYN or someone else. Um, we are doing lab work. We have the ability to do IV fluids. We have the ability to um, carry medications depending on what state you're working in. And there's so but there's also this relationship, right? Like relationship-based care is at the center of this. So for my clients in particular, I have hour-long visits with each of my clients um, on a routine schedule. We spend so much time, like, where are you at? Not just physically, but like mentally, emotionally, spiritually, what's alive for you, what's coming up for you. Um, there's space for us to address a lot of different educational topics and focus on informed decision-making. So instead of just saying, this is what my recommendation is. You got to do it this way. There's much more conversational and we get to approach it with like, um, here's the recommendation. Here's the why. Here's the risks, the benefits of doing this, of doing something different. Here's your alternative options. And here's the risks and benefits of doing nothing. Right. And like it empowers the client to feel like this is my experience. And I think the most beautiful thing about it is they have to sort of source from within themselves, where they want to go with each of those decisions. And they're supported to do that. Um, we're not passing the torch, you know, off to our medical provider when we're in a setting like this. We are the torch. We are the flame that is alive. We have this baby inside of us and we get to go within and there's space for us. There's somebody holding the space, holding the container for you to understand what is like the wisdom inside of my body telling me and guiding me to do in this, in this instance. Mm -hmm. um, and I will say as a healthcare provider, that is one of the most valuable things is to have somebody who is able to connect with their intuition, especially if they don't have that already, or they've never really explored that in themselves, right. but also we have, right? Like that's information. That's data that I want. Mm -hmm. I don't just want the blood pressure and the pulse, like, and the fetal heart rate. Those are important pieces of data as well. But the intuition and the, like the mother's sense of what is, is an extremely important piece of data. And it has to be integrated into care. I believe um, that's a huge part of what I do and what I focus on in my care. I mean, it's incredible. I feel that midwifery to me anyway, feels like the best of both worlds because you have somebody who's trained and understands the birth and the body and medication and lab work. And I think that's sort of the biggest misconception is when people think about midwives, like my midwives can give me an epidural, they can give me medication. Like it doesn't mean I have to have like an all natural home birth. Um, now that would be the dream of course, for me anyway. Um, but for my first time around, I know myself and I'm too anxious. So I feel like going the midwifery route at a birthing center is like, going to be the most supportive thing for me. And that's what I plan on doing and sharing about it throughout this experience. But I'm just learning, like my doula and I just decided last week, okay, we're a hundred percent in 
with the midwifery care, I had some questions and that was what if I want an epidural or what if I get signs of preeclampsia or high blood pressure? And most of the midwives at our clinic are completely able to deal with all of these things. And I think there was like this preconceived notion that you only had a midwife if you wanted to give birth, like at home, natural, but now there's this collaboration happening. And I think it's the bridge for me. Anyway, I feel that this experience is going to be the bridge back home, like the bridge that gets me back into my wisdom and my knowing and my strength that I could maybe do this at home one day. Um, and I could maybe do this that way because I think for a lot of women, actually, I don't know if this is true for a lot of birthing people anyway, Um, that feels like a really scary thing and seeing you share about it and seeing so many of the people in my community birthing at home, it's just really inspiring. And for me, it's like taking the power back a little bit from this broken system. So before we go into, I have a lot of other questions, but before we go into, um, that I would love to just talk about home birth a little bit because it is kind of controversial and I know you're definitely an advocate, right? Could I say that? And, um, just share about what or why maybe you think it feels so scary now to people, even though it's like how it's been done forever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Why am I so afraid? (laughs) I think, okay, so I have a lot of thoughts about this. Yeah. I think that a lot of the fear is in is in the unknown. Mm. And um, pregnancy and birth is already a wildly unknown experience that we have to surrender to, to get through some way or another. And, um, and everyone gets there in a different way, right? But we don't get to plan for birth. Mm. We can put together a birth preferences list or a birth plan, quote unquote, but like so much of it is like, yeah, do the planning, do the, do the intention setting of like, this is what I want. This is what I'm calling it. But like, then we have to like, let it up, you know, and let it go because we don't get to decide how things go. Mm. Our bodies and our babies do this incredible dance and they decide together and we just get to like be in it, right? We just, and that's, that is the work of birth. We just have to surrender to it. Mm. Um, so why is there so much fear? Well, when birth is looked at as a medical event, it will only ever be a medical event, but birth is not a medicalized event. Birth is a physiological event that happens in our bodies. And when we put a physiological um, experience in the equivalent of like an ICU, right? And I've heard some physicians and OBGYNs talk about this before. A labor and delivery floor in a hospital is equivalent to like a cardiology ICU, except for they also have like ORs on their floor. So in some ways, there's like like a bunch of surgeons and equipment and technology there to support this experience. Because what we know is that sometimes birth does go and go become a medical event. Mm. But if we start from the place that birth is medical, it will only ever be a medical event. But if we start from the place of birth is a physiological event and then it ha- we have this space to create, a f- like to just allow the body to experience this physiological event. Mm. That's, that's scary when we don't have that conversation happening more widely. Like we are not hearing about birth as a physiological event. We're hearing about birth as this medical event that must take place in a space where we have all these tools and resources. Now, so I am, I am a home birth midwife. That is where I provide care. Um, and licensed midwifery and home birth midwifery is really um, best suited for people who are considered low risk and healthy. They don't come into pregnancy with pre-existing conditions. Um, some, some conditions, sure, but like some of our more massive conditions, if you are 
you know, type one diabetes or you have um, hypertension in a non-pregnant state, we, we want to make sure that we have extra resources for you because statistically there is a chance that your pregnancy will need some extra resources. For people who come into pregnancy and are otherwise considered low risk and healthy, I think it is important that culturally we begin to understand and accept that this is a physiological event. So we need a physiological container for this event. And as a midwife, my job is constantly, you know, like at the front, we have this relationship and it's beautiful and it's fun, but what I'm doing behind the scenes, and I love that I get to kind of keep it behind the scenes is constantly screen somebody's risk, Mm -hmm. right? Like we're evaluating, we're gathering these data points again from both the mother and from the bodies, both baby's body and the mom's body, the birthing person's body. And So if something comes up, then we get to go, okay, so we have this beautiful, healthy pregnancy. Everything's looking good. We have this piece of data that's guiding us to look further into what could be going on. And then we get to decide what sort of resources do we need ongoing for this pregnancy? Does this person, would this person be best suited to deliver in a more um, high resource center? Or can we just lean on these resources for this acute situation and still look at this experience as a purely physiological experience? Mm. And this is where collaboration comes into play. And this is one of the most beautiful things I think about some of the relationships. Because yeah, like midwives, we're really good at relationships, right? So we do relationship-based care with our clients. But coming into practice, I was like, we need relationships with these other facilities, Because in Washington state, as a licensed midwife, I cannot work in a hospital. So there are midwives who do work in the hospital and those are nurse midwives. So just a different educational pathway and accreditation process. But there's this hybridization of, you know, trying to adopt a midwifery model of care in a system that is big and kind of you get the best of both worlds in some situations. It depends on the provider really, right? Um, but I love that that's possible in some places and where it's not possible. And for us, it's like Western Washington, we have so many different options, but we live on an Island that's accessible by a ferry only. So, well, one thing you're doing that I forgot to say is making it possible for these low risk pregnancies on your Island to not have to leave the Island for their prenatal care or their birth or their postnatal care. Yeah. And that's incredible. Like that you can take care of all of that with your, with fashion Island midwifery and your clinic. And you just like debunked, I think so many things. And I just want to re like restate one thing that I think was really important before you continue, which is you're assessing the risk all the way through. So when I get, when I selected to go with my midwife, of course I had to be low risk, right? She's going to consult. She's going to look at my blood work, all of these things so that she knows that she can take me on and take on my pregnancy and will continue to assess these things throughout. So it's not like if you had this serious medical condition and it did become a medical event, obviously at that point, you know, it wouldn't be safe to have a home birth. And so I think considering like just stating that, or, you know, in our hypothetical situation, whoever we're looking at is a low risk candidate and maybe a perfect candidate for home birth, but there's that fear. And there's just sort of that unknown that a midwife is doing all of these things. They're taking your labs. They can, they can do an ultrasound. Like they're, they're weighing you, they're weighing your baby. They can check the heart rate, all of these things. Um, and yet they're, and they don't really leave you. And I think that was really when my doula was like, well, the midwives kind of stay with you and they're like in it with you. And that's really the main difference because the OBs at our place are like pretty, very collaborative and they Mm -hmm. learn a lot from the midwives, I think. And my OB has been really open. She's like, I'm from the Midwest. I knew nothing about this. I get out to California and there's all these midwives and they're amazing. Mm -hmm. 
And she's like, I've learned so much from the midwives here, um, both in the clinic and the ones doing home births in Santa Cruz. And, and it's just this wealth of knowledge that we didn't have. So I think just my prayer for this podcast episode was just to really spread the awareness about midwifery care. And I too have found myself since my pregnancy, I'm building an office right now. And I keep envisioning myself doing like Reiki for pregnant women up there, you know, instead of like running my marketing company. So I too feel this like huge call to support women in like what's possible and like what the options could be and spread the word within the healthcare system, which I love that you're so passionate about that and finding that collaboration. So can you talk a little bit more about the work that you're doing specifically in Washington and that you want to do to really help with this healthcare practitioner and hospital collaboration? Absolutely. Yeah. I feel really privileged being in Washington state because there, there are a lot of collaborative efforts already in place that were sort of, um, you know, the hospitals are open. There's an openness already, mm-hmm. um, collaboration, but, you know, bringing it into the relationship space, I opening this practice and realizing like, okay, we are, we're here and there's nobody else here. Like, it doesn't really matter where you want to give birth. I'm the only perinatal support specialist on Vashon who like is here all the time and available for you. Mm-hmm. You can text me, you can call me, I'm available 24 seven. That is, I mean, anxiety alone, like that appeases so much anxiety for folks who otherwise have to wait on a ferry, you know, at a certain time, because these ferries don't come all the time, you know, right. and then like maybe the ferry gap and what do I do? So when I set out to open my practice, you know, home birth midwifery is kind of where my heart is. Um, but there's a set of people who either don't feel comfortable or who don't qualify for a home birth and they need care as well. So I designed this collaborative care program. And what we do is from conception until about 36 weeks of pregnancy, we will provide routine prenatal care to these folks. Incredible. For the 20 week anatomy scan, if the clients are opting for that, I will send them to ideally wherever they want to deliver. So they kind of get this, you know, in, and we work really closely with one of the big hospitals in our, um, in Western Washington at the university of Washington. And so we'll just send them there, right? Like they have all these other resources that we sometimes rely on and we're so grateful that they're there when they, when we need them. Right. Um, but part of my job, I was like, we need to have these relationships with these providers who know us and who trust us and know where our clients are coming from, right? So we have some backup OBGYNs that we can contact. We have some backup certified nurse midwives so we could do midwife to midwife transfers if need be. Um, And specifically in our hospital system, like we can get them in for their 20 week anatomy scan. We send all the records. We have this really beautiful collaborative relationship. They know which clients are coming their way in advance. If something pops up and I want to know you're the person delivering this baby, I'm not going to be there attending this birth. How do you want me to help manage this situation? Because I'm the one sort of acting as a liaison on your behalf, but you're the person who is sitting there and going to be picking up this care for this person. And I want this person to feel like there is continuity and they're not jumping into a completely different world, right? And so some of that is me adapting to the hospital system. And some of that is the hospital system adapting to midwifery care, which is beautiful, especially when there's midwife to midwife transfers. So 36 weeks, they move on to their delivering provider. It gives them, at that point, you're seeing your provider weekly. So it gives them a couple weeks, sometimes less, right? If you deliver at 37 weeks, that's a full-term pregnancy, but that's only one visit. So, but generally speaking, people are not always delivering at 37 weeks. They get a couple weeks in to meet their delivering provider to establish a little bit of a relationship. And then when they go into labor, they know their person. When they're discharged from the hospital or wherever they've given birth, it could be a freestanding birth center um, as well, which we don't have on Vashon. So we do those off island as well. Um, When they come back and they're discharged from their birthing facility, then I pick up all the postpartum care 
and I do wow. home visits for the first week. And then we start seeing each other, you know, more routinely. Um, they don't need to leave the island again. They don't need to pack up a newborn baby for a 24 hour visit. Um, they just, you know, they get to kind of settle into their home environment, settle into their new role, their new family, and there can be some safeguarding of that experience for them by me being available to them here on the island. So. Wow. I mean, I just feel so invested every time I talk to you or sort of drop in with you. I just like feel so reinvested and grateful that you're doing this. And I think setting such a great example for what's possible in other communities. And yeah. the other thing I wanted to touch on is your real like priority priority to make this accessible for everyone. And that's actually a question I don't know because I am like so, so privileged and lucky with my insurance um, and, and paying, you know, a lot, but I get a lot of care for that. And what that looks like in sort of the bigger scheme of things with midwifery care being covered by insurance, um, or not having insurance, right. You know, how do we, how, what are you guys doing? I know you're doing a lot. Um, but to make that sort of service more accessible and what does that look like right now? Yeah. So it feels really important to me that, you know, these, this type of care, this, this caliber of quality of care, um, can be accessible to everyone in my community. Um, and I think everywhere, right. Right. That's something my heart definitely wants to see out in the world. Um, and there's a couple different layers to this. So Washington, in Washington state specifically, um, we do contract with insurance and yeah. insurance panels will contract with licensed midwives for home births. Medicaid covers midwifery and home birth care at 100% coverage. In your state. In our state. And that is not oh. looking everywhere. Yeah, um, for sure. But in our state, it does, which is beautiful. Wow. And, and, and yet, no matter where you live, even if you live here, there's, there's this large demographic of folks who do not qualify for Medicaid and cannot afford their expensive insurance premiums. Mm -hmm. So there's this like uninsured or underinsured population that um, I think is more great than we societally acknowledge. Um, and it felt really important to me that this kind of care could also be accessible to them. So um, when I formed this, I co-founded this uh, practice, we established ourselves as a 501c3 nonprofit. And the reason was is so that we can fundraise to help meet the needs of everybody in our community, um, regardless of financial barriers and otherwise. So we, we have something called the Health Equity Fund that we fundraise for regularly. And um, that fund is specifically allocated towards paying for midwifery care, but also, and we have this like coalition of other perinatal support providers that I wanted to include in this, um, doulas, right? Like lactation services, nutrition, education, and counseling. Um, all of these things that I think are just really, really important for people to have access to in pregnancy. Even if somebody, you know, qualifies for midwifery care or is able to receive midwifery care, if I feel like, oh my gosh, you would benefit so much from this particular service. I want to know that whoever needs that service has access to it. And that's not the case. Um, especially being in like a medically underserved community and a smaller, you know, a smaller community, a lot of our providers are either cash pay only or just limited in services. Also, sometimes we don't have a provider locally and we have to send people off island brings up like transportation issues, ferry costs, taking off work, who's babysitting their other kids, right? So from a financial perspective, we have this health equity fund, but from all those other resource deficient, um, you know, lenses, we, we work with a lot of the other nonprofits in our community to kind of fill those gaps. So the clients in my care can receive vouchers through another nonprofit to receive free um, supplements and vitamins in my clinic, you know, that are really high quality quality naturopathic supplements um and everyone gets access to it right like we have 
we have the ability to serve our community on that lens, but only by working together as providers, but also like as a community. And I know, it, you know, this is a whole nother topic. I could totally talk about that for yeah. ages. No, I know. And I just wanted to bring it up because I know what a big topic it is for you and how much work you're doing in that arena. And even just going to your website, you can learn a lot more at Vashon Island Midwifery. And we'll put that in the show notes because there's just so much information on that site about what is possible, I think, in terms of doing this in little communities and then bigger communities. And so I know that's a goal of yours and you've basically single-handedly created this working system on your Island and are collaborating with doctors. You have a 501 C three to get fundraising, to provide support for, I mean, you've created like a whole ecosystem Mm -hmm. around this birthing process in such a beautiful way. And I'm just so inspired by it. And I'm excited for the expansion of this because I really feel like what you've done on Vashon is just like, you know, an incredible example of what's possible everywhere. But the last thing I wanted to ask you and touch on is about community care versus self-care because you were just talking about community. And I know you had mentioned that and I wasn't quite sure what you even meant by self-care versus community care. Um, So I was hoping we could just touch on that briefly. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, gosh, self-care is like both this totally trendy idea. Yeah. That's why I was like interested in this. I'm like, let me, I want to know what she has to say about this. Yeah. Yeah. And like, so important, right? Like we can't just say self-care now that it's trendy, like isn't really what we need because it is, we need to be able to take care of ourselves. And I always draw back to this you know, this visual that I have of like a standing tree in the forest standing by itself. It's like, yeah, you can give it some time and some money and some whatever it is, like give it the sun, give it a watering can. Like it could take care of itself, but like trees never have stood by themselves. Mm. They look like it maybe, but really like what's under the soil? There's this entire network of mycelium, like holding that tree up. And if we don't have to just say really quickly, I have to interrupt you because I literally just did an interview on somebody else's podcast. And I explained that I now feel like I am part of this like system of the world that I didn't know existed like fungi and it's all the mothers. And I like feel that we can all like kind of communicate and like tell each other things. And anyway, it's funny that you use that exact example because I've never felt more like in community of the mother or just like the, the community, like of nature, of earth, of how life happens. And I literally used that example of feeling like connected in this web of love and birth. And I didn't know it was there Yes, or that I could tap right into it. I love that you're feeling it because it's always felt for me, right? It's like Mm. people look at mothers as like, we're this standalone thing and we're just meant to like take care of all of our little saplings, right? (laughs) We're staying in this analogy, but (laughs) (laughs) um, that's impossible. It's just not possible. And we no longer have like this like village of, of, grandmothers and aunties and sisters watching each other do this, like leaning in on each other when we need something, breaking down to one another and being like, I feel so guilty or I feel so frustrated. I'm so angry, like whatever it is, all of these things still are alive for every single parent ever. And yet we don't have like the the immediate community to look and reflect back onto. And so this is why I also think like the intuition space holding for intuition in a pregnancy is so important because then you're a mother and you have this baby and you care so much about this baby and you have all these questions and this baby has all these needs and like you don't have the people around you necessarily to be like what do I do am I doing this right it doesn't feel like I am like or it does feel like I am and yet something still is like feels a myth 
right? And so we like lean in and we go to like Google or social media and like there's a lot of beautiful connection that can happen in a social media space for moms and I know like worldwide people are able to find that right now which is lovely and it's also missing like the contextual nature of just like being with other humans Definitely. Um, yeah and and asking questions and like having these resources of this is what my mom did this is what my grandmother did this is you know what we learned as a community so um, when we don't have that, what do we do? How do we lean into a community? A lot of com communities too, like in urban cities, it's hard to feel like you're connected to people. You yeah. have a million people, <laughs> you know, all around you in your city. And yet, who do you lean on? You feel alone. You feel yeah. isolated. That's an incredibly common experience. So and I can put in a plug for a postpartum doula here, like for sure, when you're feeling feeling alone. So we spoke about childbirth doulas before, but there's this whole realm of postpartum care that I think is so important in this experience of taking care of one another. And not everyone can access a postpartum doula, um, but in terms of resources, I'm not just talking about the limitation of resources as a new mom financially, but time, like time is one of our greatest resources. And as a new parent, it's like the one we have the least of mm -hmm. So going back to self-care is like, we can give you, even if you have like the privilege of being financially suited to go resource some sort of care or like thing that you need therapy that you need to take care of yourself. What about time? Do you have somebody that can watch your baby? Do you have a, a provider or a place that you can bring your baby? Like some people don't want to leave their baby with new people yet. There's so many different layers to this. Um, but what I'll say is that in, in the postpartum period, um, and I think it starts in pregnancy, and when we can lean in in pregnancy, it does make this easier postpartum. But when we can lean into finding a community for ourselves and trusting that it is okay to be vulnerable and safe and um and resource resource ourselves with the community aspect of care and tap into acknowledging that underneath us as this like unique and individual human mother parent there's this mycelium network underneath us that's saying you've got this you're allowed to feel guilty. You're allowed to feel frustrated. You're allowed to weep all over your baby. It's beautiful. I did that. This was my experience. This is how I got myself out of it, right? Like when we can have the element of community care and then in our community, also like on an organizational level, it's a lot of what I was talking about earlier. It's like, yeah, we can create all the right context for this person to have what they need, but but it, it does take all of us standing up together and working together to, to create the context for this, this beautiful new person to grow yeah. into themselves as a mother. I just think it's so beautiful and so spot on. And like the answer, you know, like the answer is community care. What does it look like to you? Like modern community care, right? When you say find that community are you envisioning like places or community or like people to like start these communities or like I'm like how do I do this in Santa Cruz you know like how do I start to facilitate this because I have some moms and just speaking to the social media network I think for a moment like there's a few moms and you're one of them that I'm really uninspired by social media right now. I find it a really hard place to be. I've gained a lot of weight. I don't look like a lot of the pregnant moms, like I'm doing a lot of the compare and despair. So I'm not spending a lot of time, except I'm looking at a few moms or I'll go back and I'll look at posts. And I DM'd one of them because she actually just had her baby. And I'm just so amazed, home birth, of course, you know, like just such a warrior, like liberated queen. And she wrote me back and we've like been having this really beautiful exchange. And I think, how do we find, like, it's so easy to find it online. Like yeah. it took me two seconds to DM her. Right. But to actually be able to have somebody in my community or down the street that I'm 
creating those relationships with, I think that's really the lens that needs to switch. Because for me, the first place I go, like you said earlier, is I'll Google it or I'll look online instead of turning to that community of people that we can trust. So what's the next step for this vision of community care? I think that's a great question. And I think um, there's so many different ways to answer this question. But one of the things that's coming up for me is is nutrition. Mm. So as a new, in pregnancy and then in postpartum, we need so many reasons, like not to sound too grim, but like these babies that we just love and devote ourselves to and absolutely love doing that, right? Are like siphoning the fat from our brains. And I am unwell right now (laughs) with how much my baby is siphoning from me. Yes. Yes. It's an experience. Right. It is an experience and we are underslept and we are, um, and I'll focus a little bit on the postpartum time, but like we're underslept. We are making milk if we're breastfeeding, like we're making this milk, our body is prioritizing all of these nutritional factors to our milk, all of our hydration, like our caloric needs and hydration needs go up postpartum. I don't, I don't think a lot of people know that, but they do. Right. And so when we are depleted in that way, postpartum, it's really hard, I think, to be in a space where you feel um, stable enough mentally and emotionally to reach out to the people in your network, whatever that looks like social media or directly in your community. So I think a huge, like huge part of my focus is how do we nourish and nurture these, these postpartum folks, because they need resources. Like that's a great place to start. That's such a beautiful and such an easy answer. And it's feed people people. And that is such an easy thing to create in your community. Like, are you a new mom? Sign up. Like we'll cook you a meal every night, you know, that kind of thing. And there's some services that already exist that is easy, right? Like meal train is one that we see go around a lot. I'm sure there's others, there's food delivery services. Like there's things that are great. Um, I have some like definite like visions for doing something really intentional and specific for new parents, like both nutritionally, but also like, what about the toddler who just needs to be eating all the time? Mm -hmm. If we have a toddler who's like, I need snacks, I need snacks, that mom is like maybe getting those snacks also. Right. We, we do this thing as mothers where we, we, it's really hard to like, look at the big picture especially in the like new vulnerable tender first days, first weeks, first months, um, where it's like hard to get the big picture. Right. And so we're just responding, we're reacting to like what's being asked of us. So like we're responding to the baby crying needs to be fed. We're responding to the toddler being like, I need snacks, but like, are we, do we have the ability to like take that deep breath and to like feel into our body? Like, what do we need? Oh my gosh, I haven't had water all day. Right. Mm-hmm. And so some of this is like coaching the partners to be like, every time right. you see her sitting down and feeding, she needs a snack and a tall glass of water or some electrolytes, right. or, you know, something of that, um, that sense where it's like, there's yeah. integrated into the, the framework of the routine of the day. We're not relying on this person to have to advocate for themselves, um, in a given moment and ask yeah. for something. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just so here for this conversation. I feel like we could talk for hours. I'd love to have you back on because I just, I'm finding myself in this new realm of being. And like you said, it's like, I've taken off the glasses and I'm really becoming more and more aware at 33 years old to how little I know about birth and I about to do it and just the, the level of support that you provide and have honestly, just by like osmosis and helping you with your launch and following you and knowing you, you're just such a wealth of information. And I just, my prayer is for more people to have access to this kind of information, just the info. Like that's the first step. Like, Hey, did you, do you know what midwifery care means? Yeah. 
do you know if they have this in your community? Is this covered by your insurance? Like to start asking those questions, because if it wasn't for you and if it wasn't for Emery and her doula, who I became friends with, I would have no idea that that's what I need. And it's exactly the kind of support I personally need and probably every birthing person needs. Um, I'm a little high maintenance and extreme. So I'm excited that I'll have that additional, like deep support, um, during this time and that I can afford it and that I have access to it. And just like the gratitude is endless that I'm able to create this experience for myself. And also the understanding that not everyone can, and how do we create more awareness and continue to you know, push forward this work that you're doing in this mission that you have, and you're doing it basically alone on Bashan Island with these three children and you're a goddess to witness. So thank you for the work. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for witnessing me and for sharing so openly and vulnerably about your experience. It's going to be a tremendous source of inspiration for so many people. I just know it. I hope so. I mean, my whole, my whole thing is just to share radically, you know, honest truths that I, that I hope will be in support to really empowering other people to make their own choices. It's never going to be during this pregnancy. Oh, I suggest you do it this way. It's I'm going to explain exactly what I did so that you know, that there's these options, um, (laughs) to help create that autonomy and that empowerment to decide for yourself. So I'm just so happy to know you tell us where we can learn more, where we can hear about your upcoming fundraisers, the work that you're doing and just support you. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I am on social media. Um, I I'd say I'm most actively on Instagram. So you could find me personally there at Caitlin Danielle Costley. Um, and the spelling will be down below. Right. So, um, and then also organizationally, um, Vashon Island midwifery. So spelling also down below and people can find more information about midwifery care. I mean, so much of what I think is important and what I'm, I'm looking to do is, is bring this information into like more of like a medical counseling space. Like people can just come. I don't have to be physically in your community, but if you want to know, like, what are your options and what is available to you? Like we can talk about that, right? So um, through the website, you can schedule consultations with me directly um, and that's available for folks that are outside of my community as well. Um, But that's at the VashonIslandMidwifery.com website. It's a great website, I must say. Um, No, it's so beautiful what you're doing and I'm so happy to know you and she's such a great follow. She has such great just nuggets of wisdom and just watching you do what you do, um, is really cool. So I'm happy to know you. And for everyone listening, this was such a powerful episode. I'm going to blow this one up because this is so important. I just want to scream it from the rooftop. So please share this with somebody that you might, you know, that you think might be interested or want to hear this information or become aware of this information. My prayer is through this, that we just get to spread the word. So thank you for being here. And, um, thank you guys all for listening. It's a journey and I'm so happy to have y'all on the ride with me. I wouldn't have it any other way. We'll see you next time. Keep growing. 